Scripture this morning comes from Acts chapter 17. I'll read verses 16 through 28. This tells part of the story of one of Paul's missionary journeys early in the spread of Christianity as he traveled from Thessalonica to Baroa to Athens. So hear now God's word for us from Acts chapter 17. We'll put it up on the screen so you can follow along as I read aloud. It says, While Paul waited for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to find that the city was flooded with idols. He began to interact with the Jews and Gentile God worshipers in the synagogue. He also addressed whoever happened to be in the marketplace each day. Certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers engaged him in discussion too. Some said, what an amateur. What's he trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods. They said this because he was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him into custody and brought him to the council on Mars Hill. What is this new teaching? Can we learn what you are talking about? You've told us some strange things, and we want to know what they mean. They said this because all Athenians, as well as the foreigners who lived in Athens, used to spend their time doing nothing but talking about or listening to the newest thing. Paul stood up in the middle of the council on Mars Hill and said, People of Athens, I see that you are very religious in every way. As I was walking through town and carefully observing your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. What you worship as unknown, I now proclaim to you. God, who made the world and everything in it, is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made with human hands, nor is God served by human hands as though he needed something, since he is the one who gives life, breath, and everything else. From one person, God created every human nation to live on the whole earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their lands, God made the nations so they would seek Him, perhaps even reach out to Him and find Him. In fact, God isn't far away from any of us. In God, we live, move, and exist. As some of your own poets said, we are His offspring. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I had a conversation this week with uh, one of the leaders of this church, one of your elected named leaders, and and he asked me about my previous experience serving uh, other churches, specifically where I'd planted a church and started a new worshiping community within a church. And uh, the question was like, how did you do that? How did that go? How did that process work? And then I shared a little bit about, um, you know, how our denomination works and sort of in our conference and regional office to look for areas and places where there's a need to start something new and then train and prepare pastors uh, to go and do that kind of work. And, and for me, that training is uh, really the, the metaphor that was used that has stuck with me was it was very similar to training that you would receive to be a missionary. And, and that is in part because it is in our understanding of the United Methodist Church that every church, every local church is a mission outpost situated in its community and context for that time to be in mission to the world. 
starting with whoever's right outside the walls and, and expanding on from there. And so for me and for the folks that I worked with, so whether it was to plant the church or start a new community of faith, uh, we understood that God was in it and had called us to it, and we saw ourselves in that way as a, as a mission outpost, uh, that our purpose for existing as a church was not for ourselves, but it was to honor God and to hear God's call and respond to it, to be in ministry with people around us, to be a blessing to those around us and to proclaim the name of Jesus. And, and I thought it was a great conversation for me this week as I was preparing for this sermon in the midst of this greater series as we think about what it means to be the church, to do church here at Shambly. Well, this is how we do it. And we understand it in essentially three ways. And we started last week to unpack those. And the first one was uh, that, that we be the church through our nurturing ministries, where we nurture our faith and the faith of one another in the community of faith, our inwardly facing ministries. And in fact, we finished last Sunday, I shared some of the many ways that we do that, whether it's being willing to receive the prayer list and pray for the folks who have asked uh, or given a request, or uh, to stay in touch with those members of our church or connected to our church who are homebound, and, and to help make sure that they know that they're loved and cared for and we communicate with them, or, or be a part of a Bible study or a Sunday school class or a small group. There's any number of ways that we have those inwardly facing, nurturing ministries being lived out here in this church. This morning, then, we'll, we'll turn to consider another way that we are in ministry, and that is with our outwardly facing work. The, the things that we do, the way that we be, that is focused on people who aren't here, who live around us, here in this community and beyond. And then we'll turn our attention later, once we've discussed inward-facing ministries and outward-facing ministries, to consider our upward-facing work. That is our worship of God and how we do that at Shambly First United Methodist Church. But for today, this outwardly-facing ministry, this understanding of ourselves as missionaries and, and our church as a mission outpost, what better place to look than Paul? And his work, the stories about him in the New Testament, particularly in Acts, like the verses I read just a moment ago. A little context would be helpful, though. I said that this is just a depiction of part of one of his journeys, and that's really what we know about Paul most, is his work as he went around and traveled and shared the good news of Jesus with people outside of their religious circles in which he knew and were most common in their day. And this one in particular in Acts 17, in fact, if you go and read the beginning of the chapter, which I hope you will, it, it starts out um, in an interesting way because Paul's a bit of a troublemaker, uh, particularly for the church. And so when he's in Thessalonica and he's talking about Jesus, the religious people, the religious leaders in Thessalonica, particularly the Jewish people, the people of God, the religious leaders, were very disturbed by what he was teaching and preaching as he preached Jesus and the resurrection. They were bothered by the implications of what that meant for them and their lives and their faith to, to see Jesus as the way. So they, they chased him out of Thessalonica and to, to a nearby town, Baroa. And so Paul goes there with his friend Silas and Timothy and, 
And the religious people in Thessalonica were so upset with him when they heard that he'd gone to Baroa, they all went there too. And they gathered up a mob, it says in Acts 17, of people to run Paul and Silas and Timothy out of town. Or to do one better, what, what turns out is when they couldn't catch Paul and Silas because they slipped out of Baroa, they went to the house where they'd been staying, the house of Jason, and they brought Jason up on charges. And man, the interesting part to me is they were so bothered by what Paul and Silas and Timothy were teaching and Jason guilty by association, by association about Jesus being the Lord and following his way that the charges they brought Jason up on that they would have brought Paul and Silas and the rest they said they are preaching teaching and stirring up trouble by saying that someone else other than Caesar is king these religious people so bothered by the message of Jesus went to the government and said these people are meddling in our politics by naming somebody other than Jesus, other than Caesar as king, and his name is Jesus. And so they arrest Jason. It, it says later he posts bail and, and gets out, but, but Paul slips out, and it says people take Paul far away, as far as Athens, and so he goes to Athens, which is sort of the, the cultural center of Greece. It's where all the great thinkers and philosophers gathered to study and speak to one another and debate and talk about all of their beliefs and religion and thoughts about life and the world. And so Paul goes to Athens and he's waiting there for Silas and Timothy and the rest to catch up with him. And that's where our scripture picks up today. It says that when Paul is in Athens, he looks around and he's distressed, bothered. I think a good way to understand that is his spirit gets stirred up inside of him unsettled because as he looks around he sees a town that is covered flooded that translation said flooded with idols of course idols are kind of like weeds i think you know what the definition of a weed is anything growing where you don't want it to be (laughs) i think idols can be the same way an idol is something that somebody else worships that you don't Oh, that's their idol. I said, Paul looked around and saw a town flooded with idols because that was their way. That was their practice. Was to identify whatever need they had or whatever resource was available to them or whatever happened in life and in relationships, they identified a God to go with that who would either see about that or provide for them in that way or respond to something that they did And all around, there were idols set up, places to recognize, to honor those gods and worship them. And even do things to try to get those gods to do things for them. And Paul looked around and saw all these idols and it says something got stirred up in his spirit. And he went into the synagogues where the God worshipers were and he began to engage people in conversation about what they were thinking and believing and what was being said around the town. It says he went into the marketplace day by day and engaged people in conversations similarly to the point that some of these philosophers and people who like to have those kinds of conversations 
found him and, and started talking back and asking him questions and even questioning him. But for us to understand what it looks like for the church to be a mission outpost, for us to be missionaries, to carry the good news of the gospel with us out into our world, Paul's a wonderful example here on Mars Hill and in Athens because it says he starts out by going around the town and observing all of their idols. He didn't walk into town and go, I got the answers. All of this stuff y'all been doing is flat wrong. Forget it all. You're crazy. I got, I got to tell you the one way and here it is. But rather it said he took the time to go around the community, observe, learn, understand how they lived life, what mattered to them, what they were wanting, hoping, dreaming for, what their needs were, watching how they organized their life and their community together to get to know them. It even says that he, he would go to the idols and, and read the inscriptions to understand what was happening, what they were looking for. For us, for our outwardly facing ministry and understanding of what it means to be the church and to be followers of Jesus in the world, to learn from Paul would mean to say, we get out into our community, out into the world around us. And, and not just to go out and wag a finger or complain or blame or even fix, but first in the model of Paul, to listen, to learn, and to understand what's going on in the lives of the people around us. Now, Will Willimon is a um, bishop in the Methodist Church and author, teacher, and uh, in a commentary on Acts, he said this about this passage. Uh, he suggests that the church rather than standing back from pagan religiosity, pointing our fingers in righteous indignation, should, like Paul in Athens, minister to their searching. So indeed, Paul met them right where they were. And upon investigating, learning, working to understand, and then speaking into that, they asked him, Hey, what, what are you talking about? We don't understand this. This is not like something we've been debating or discussing. You didn't show up for the us usual Thursday, knockdown, drag out, navel gazing party. Like, can you tell us more about what you mean? Which, by the way, I also think is very interesting to juxtapose his experience on Mars Hill with his experience with the religious leaders earlier in that chapter when Paul is proclaiming Jesus, the religious people want him thrown in jail. When he's proclaiming Jesus in Mars Hill in Athens, the non-religious people, the secularists, the pagans go, we've never heard anything like that before. 
Could you tell us more about that? There's something fascinating about that to me, about their openness, the teachableness that existed, even among the people who didn't know God, wouldn't have professed faith in the God of the Jews, but were willing and interested all the same, curious to learn. And as Paul was willing to listen and learn, then they became willing to listen and learn. And they asked him, teach us more. And true to form, he said, I've seen all of your idols. I've read the inscriptions of what they mean. He looked around that community and saw all those idols. Anybody in our world, our community, our county, our homes, to look around and see the idols? He said, but there's one I saw. One that you've got labeled to an unknown God. That one. The one that you haven't been able to pin down or fully understand or describe or attribute a particular thing to. Paul said, that one. That thing that you're looking for, that need that exists inside you and among you, that about you which you're unable to explain or grab hold of, that one. I know that one. And he is the Lord God Almighty. In that moment when Paul was willing to listen and learn, the people were willing to listen and learn. And he pointed to the place in their lives, in their world, where there was need and they didn't know and couldn't understand or articulate. And he said, that God. I know that God. And he is the Lord God of all creation. This is the God who from one person created all humanity and has set it all in place. And it's not like he said this God or even Jesus as he spoke about Jesus in the resurrection. He didn't say this is just one among the many. He said that one that you don't know, I know that God. And that is the one and only God who has created it all. And he went on to tell the rest of the story about Jesus. And who he was in his life, death and resurrection. And one of the reasons I think Paul was able to tell that story in that moment is because he had had an experience himself with Jesus. Anybody? When you've experienced God move in your life, do something in you, about you, for you. When you've experienced the hope, the peace, the restoration, the healing, the freedom that God brings in Jesus Christ, then you've got a story to tell. And when Paul was willing to get out among the people in Athens, to listen to where they were, to understand where they were in life, then they were willing to ask the question, tell us more about that. And he was able to share his story of who Jesus Christ is. God of it all. Also very interesting is the line that he says, in God, we live and move, and some translations say have our being. This one says exist. We live, in God, we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. I don't know about you, I've, I've held that verse close to my heart at times in life. 
when the ground seemed shaky or I wasn't sure, just remembering God we live and move and have our being. Well, did you know that Paul was quoting a Greek poem with that line and it was written about Zeus, (laughs) not about the God of the Jews? That Paul was even willing to use the lines, the language of the people to help them understand and make sense of and try to capture who was the God that Paul was talking about. I don't know about you, it gives me some breadth to think about the inspiration of Scripture and how that came to be. That even in the inspired Word of God, we find a quote from a Greek poem. But was useful for Paul in the time to tell the people about God. Because that was his mission. That was what God had called him to and put him there for. And for us as a church, to live out this mission in a similar way means to to be outside of these walls, to be outwardly facing, attending to, attentive to, paying attention to, listening and understanding the places of need and hurt, of want in the lives of the folks in our community and around the world. And we do it in all kinds of ways. I want to tell you a story about one real quick. I got an invitation via text message from one of our city council members back in January to go and participate one day at City Hall when some of the city council and several of the police chiefs from uh, around DeKalb County were making a presentation, a financial gift to the family of a fallen officer who was killed in the line of duty. I don't know if you would remember the story about Edgar Flores. Very young, only been on the force a couple of years. And uh, in the... In the process of working to apprehend someone was shot and killed and it was also the time there was a canine dog that they used to try to find this person the dog was shot as well also officer flores was killed serving us protecting us gave his life and they asked me to come and be there with that presentation and say a prayer for his family and for all of our officers it was a somber humbling honor and privilege to be there and be a part of that but the reason they asked me to come they didn't know me (laughs) I haven't been here that long in this community the reason they asked me to come was because the DeKalb Police Alliance is the organization that pays for the insurance policies that provide that benefit when something like this happens and in 2017 um, the Vacation Bible School here at Shambly First Methodist Church gave some of the proceeds of the money that had been raised to the DeKalb Police Alliance to fund that policy in the event that something tragic like that occurred, and it did. And so because of this church and the children of this church and the people who work with Bible school and and the parents being aware and mindful of a need in our community and looking outward beyond these walls, that benefit was able to be provided to this officer's family. And I got to be there and represent you and pray God's blessing and protection for them and for all of our officers. And I mean, we, we do stuff like that in all kinds of ways here. We've got a Thanksgiving food drive 
where we partner with the schools to, to be attentive to children and their families who could benefit and be blessed by receiving a Thanksgiving meal provided to them. And so this church does the lion's share of the work to gather up the food and sort it and, and box it and distribute it. And you're going to get an invitation pretty soon to be a part of that work and make it happen because Thanksgiving will be here like a week, it feels like. I don't know if there's the pace that things are moving, right? We also know there's a need in our community. There are children who get fed at school, but on the weekends sometimes go without enough food to eat. And so there's a program called Backpack Buddies that we've become aware of and that we can help participate in and make sure that children have food to eat. Because people here are paying attention to the needs that are outside of these walls. I mean, our own Alan Barbie, our minister of music, has, has had an inspired idea to start a community choir a chorus for people who want to sing, who, who want to share their joy in song. It's not singing in the church for the church. It's just giving people an opportunity to get together and sing. And it's not hymns or anything like that. Just, just for folks around us who might want to participate in something like that. Well, we can help make that happen and facilitate that, the Peachtree Singers. We've recently brought somebody on staff, Whitney Brown, whose responsibility it is is to be out in the community make the relationships with folks around us so they know that this property, this campus, this church is here for them as well, that they can make use of it, that other organizations and groups can come here and participate in community with us together, and we can be a part of this community. See, all of these things where we turn our attention and face outward as a church together. And yes, those are things maybe we're doing collectively, but they're things that you and I do each and every day in the same kind of way to turn our hearts, our minds, our attention outside the walls of our church and attend to the needs around us. Be a blessing to people to take the love of Jesus Christ that we know, that we've received, and share it. And the story says that as Paul did that, yeah, he he took some heat. And he got a lot of questions like, what are you talking about? You don't know what you're doing, amateur pie-in-the-sky stuff. That doesn't make any sense. That's some weird kind of faith. But as you read on down, it says, then some started to believe. And there were others who started to ask more questions. Tell me a little more. And they took one step in further and further toward the kingdom of God. And here we are with the opportunity, the invitation to do the same thing face outward into our world and share God's love. So if you've heard something that I I just mentioned there that piqued your interest and you want to be a part of that, God bless you. I hope you will. I pray that you will. If you haven't met Linda King yet on staff here at the church, you can call up here, email, and Linda will help you find a place where you can fit in and plug in and serve. But maybe there's just something in your life, in your circle, in your world, it may not be a public debate somewhere like on Mars Hill. I don't even know where that happens anymore. Lord help us if it's social media. But, but maybe it's just a relationship. It's a, it's a place at work or in your children's lives or on their ball teams. Or Where is it that you might have an opportunity like Paul to listen and understand and respond with the love of God? As we get ready to sing our last hymn, I want to encourage you to give that some thought and let God spend a minute with you even right now as we sing. The song we're going to sing is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's number 400 in the hymnal. Maybe you know it. But that first line, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. 
May we all sing now that God would tune all of our hearts to sing about God's grace, not just in this moment in this room, but as we go out from here. Will you stand and we'll sing hymn number 400, Come Thou Fount.